If the NBA really wants the ninja headbands done with, they should have asked somebody like me to wear them. It would be like seeing Betty White dab or something. The trend would be dead. Think about it, NBA. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble. Today's podcast, we are going to be finalizing our positional tiers series of podcasts by looking at the centers. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it indeed and to wrap this up and talk about the last position that we haven't talked about yet, I am joined once again by Basketball Monsters, Matt Smith. Matt, welcome back to uh, wrap up the Positional Tears series for about the fifth year in a row, I think it is. Hello, Josh, and thank you. And surely the NBA have bigger issues to worry about than headbands and what the NBA players are doing with their hair. You would think that the... uh, It seems pretty silly. For a league that's pretty relaxed on that sort of stuff in general... Um, yeah, the banning of the ninja headband is, uh, it seems a little, I, you get the feeling it's going to be reversed. That's just how I'm sort of seeing it at this point. But hey, maybe, maybe Nike just needs to produce the headbands themselves for it to be ticked off. Like but, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it is a weird yeah. one. Center tiers. Tier one. Carl Anthony Towns. That's it. Like, he is the center because Anthony Davis refuses to play his actual position. Would you consider Carl Anthony Towns as a number one pick? Absolutely, I would. Yeah, he's the most well-rounded player in the game um, and the only player in our projection to provide a Z score of plus one in both field goal percentage and free throw uh, efficiency. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So for those of us, Matt, not those of us, for those of people who are new to this podcast, new to fantasy basketball, yeah, what does that, yeah, having that plus one in both percentages, where is that really, really useful? It's useful everywhere, but in particularly rotisserie leagues yeah. where you, know, you want to keep your percentages as strong as possible. Um, but any as the volume as well, it's the 52% from the field on you know 18 to 20 attempts and the 63 to 64% from the free throw line on sort of seven attempts. 83 to 84, not 63. 83 to 84. Yes. Um, yeah, he's the most efficient player in the game. Like I said, big boost, and then also, you know, you throw in the blocks, the rebounds, the points. So, yeah, you could easily um, take him with, with the first or second pick, and then on the way back in your, your second and third pick, target a, a point guard, you know, a Luka Dontich, who, you know, will take a slight hit in those percentages, but with Carl Anthony Towns there to really keep them strong, um, I really like that as a duo, actually. Yeah, look, that's in, even you grab a Mike Conley in the third round as a possibility, who's not a bad percentage. There are heaps of options you can take. You might find uh, other point guards slide down. Maybe Devin Booker slides down. Maybe Trey Young is in that area at the end of the second round. That's a possibility. Probably won't be in any leagues that I'm in, but that is a possibility. There's some real combinations you can uh, team up with Towns. And I think that we're going to see a bit of a bounce back in some of his block numbers. The minutes won't be Tom Thibodeau level because that's not how Ryan Saunders runs because he's not an insane person. But the numbers from Towns in under the Saunders era last season were he was like a top three, top three guy when Saunders took over. And I don't expect too much to be different this year. Tier two though is where we get a little bit more 
a little bit more diversity. Oh, no, we don't, because we've only got one player there, and that's Nikola Jokic, <laughs> who sits all by himself in uh, in Tier 2. Now, Matt, if you looked at our per-game projections on Basketball Monster, you see Embiid is marginally ahead of Jokic, but why have we got Jokic in a tier above Embiid? Yeah, basically for, for the games played and the durability yep. issues, um, Nikola Jokic, after we talk about the top five a lot this season, Nikola Jokic is a, is a lock at pick six for me in pretty much all leagues. Um, and yeah, as you mentioned, even though Joel Embiid is per game value, sits slightly higher than Nikola Jokic um, on a total value. Um, yeah, it's not really close. And Nikola Jokic comes out far and away um, in front of, of Joel Embiid. And yeah, really nice numbers across the board. And even if he could get his blocks back to, to up above one per game, that would just be gravy. So um, yeah, another super strong season. His three-point shooting was shit last year as well. Jokic was like 31%, 30%, which can obviously come back up. But on a per-game basis, Embiid's at six, Jokic is at seven. You put the replacement players in, Jokic is six, Embiid is 13. And that's the difference. That's why we've got um, them separated by this tier. As we expect with the presence of Al Horford that Embiid is he's not going to get to 70 games. He probably doesn't get to 65 games. He's going to sit out more. They're going to preserve him more for the playoffs. The Sixers in a really strong position in the Eastern Conference as well. They're going to have a little bit more of that luxury. And Embiid battling knee. Look at the back and the foot, not really worried. It's more of the knees now with Embiid we have to pay, pay attention to. I don't think he's going to be as aggressively rested as what some people might think. I still think he's a strong pick at, say, the 8 to 10 range because that's a bullshit area of the draft. But I also don't think that we should be looking at him over Jokic. But that will take us on to Tier 3 to actually talk about the guy that we've just spent time talking about. And that is Embiid. And he is mixed in here with Andre Drummond and Rudy Gobert. And again, people will look at that and go, why have you got these three guys together? Embiid is clearly ahead. And it is it is the injuries. That's the reason. These other two guys, Gobert and Drummond, some significant deficiencies in their game that you have to be aware of, though. Yeah, definitely. And we've, you know, in the projection rankings, they're down at 25 and 26. But... To me, they're two clear guys who you could easily target at the end of the first, early second round. Um, it's only their free throw percentage that drags them down. Andre Drummond, he'll have another huge season in rebounds, steals, blocks, and uh, field goal percentage. Um, same with Rudy Gobert. Um, probably not quite the the level of steals, but the rebounds, blocks um, in particular. Um, so, yeah, overall, they all come together and sit in Tier 3 together. People look at Gobert, especially after what he did to Team USA at the World Cup, and think, oh, he's hit off for a huge season. Derek Favors is gone. That's really going to help him. And yeah, maybe, but it's not like Favors was ever displacing Gobert for center minutes. Mike Conley around. Conley's a great passer, obviously, but does that mean that there are maybe one fewer shot for Gobert, which decreases his points, decreases his impact on field goal percentage as well? He has had a knack of being injured in the past, Gobert. Played a lot of games last year, but like 50 the year before that. So there is that concern there with Gobert. And the free throws for both these guys is something we have to pay attention to. And it is something that you you can deal with in drafts, but it does make it really hard to focus on those areas. Um if you don't focus on to get back into a competitive area, you really have to you know, make sure you're, you're really paying attention to that uh, free throw percentage category. Uh, there's another guy that I could have seen into this tier. We have him in the next tier down here in tier four. That's DeAndre Ayton. We've got him with Nick Vucevic. In a draft that I'm doing at the moment there, a, uh, a high money roto league, Vuce went at an insane position. I think he went at pick 13 in the draft ahead of, uh, ahead of LeBron, which was a, a surprise to me. We've got him down a bit further. Why Why don't... Well, I know why I don't, but why do you think that Vucevic can uh, replicate what he did last season? Uh, there's some chance he could, but I think if we... Once again, if we're taking the under or the over, we'd definitely take the under. I think last season was 
a career season. Um, just not sure where in particular he will improve. And yeah, if we're taking Nikola Vucevic in that 15 to 20 range, I think that's his ceiling. He can finish there, but he could also drop and become a top 25 or top 30 player. Yep. Um, and then on the flip side, DeAndre Ayton, probably someone who's going at you know the back end of the second, early third, um, but he could jump up and become a top 15, maybe to a top 20 type maybe. player. Yeah. Um, I think he's sort of slowly just flying under the radar there. I think Ru- Ricky Rubio will really help his value and get him some, some better looks. Um, and yeah, DeAndre Anthony, if he can get those steals and blocks way up, yeah, that could that could really boost his value. And like I said, you know, he could be a top fifteen player um, this time next season. Like um, uh, like Vucevic, Aiton uh, struggles from a lack of blocks, but you're going to have that elite rebound double double type numbers twenty and ten uh, with those really strong percentages. Vucevic is an interesting one. He shot thirty six percent from three last season, but it was very Derek Roseish. Because over the final uh, two months of the season, he shot 32%, meaning he was at like 40% earlier in the season. It dropped back off. And interesting, when you look at those splits and you go, okay, well, he had a cold streak. But then the year before, he shot 31%. The year before, he shot 31%. The year before, he shot 22%. The year before, he shot 33%. So is it five years and a half a season worth looking at? Or is it 40 games of hot shooting? So that's where I look at and go, I'm not sure he's going to get back to that 36. Maybe he does. Maybe he is a good shooter turned into a good shooter and then had a cold streak or are those five and a half years more indicative of what we should expect from Vooch as a shooter? So I think that's probably where a bit of a drop-off happens, hurts his field goal percentage overall and that yeah, pushes him back from a guy who was the 14th ranked player overall last season back into this tier three area and he also is a guy that you know, played was really healthy, 80 games last year, 57 the year before that, 75, 65, a guy that does struggle at times to stay healthy. So that's something that we have to pay attention to, I think, with Vucevic as well. Tier 5. Just so many guys here, Matt. There's um, plenty of options and um, blocks in particular are a key feature here with Clint Capella from the Rockets, Miles Turner from the Pacers, Mitchell Robinson from the New York Knicks slash Brisbane Lions. And Mitch Robinson says, I'll take it from here. Adam Adebayo in Miami, Derek Favors from the Pelicans, Thomas Bryant from the Wizards, LaMarcus Aldridge still sits in this tier with the Spurs, and I've got Jonas Valanciunas in there as well. Um, we might like to start with Jonas. So I know when you went through your projections initially, yep. he came out quite high, and I think since then you might have bumped him down. Maybe minutes was the issue. Yeah, um, I had him talk about yeah what you read and and why those minutes dipped a little bit. I had him at 30 minutes. Um, he's never been a 30-minute-a-night guy, and I've consistently banged on about him being a 30-minute-a-game guy. He was absolutely massive for the Grizzlies down the stretch last season. I have dropped him down to 28, just thinking that they might try and get a little bit more in terms of minutes from Brandon Clark towards the end of the season. I think that we'll see 30 minutes a night from Valanciunas early on, and that might dip off a little bit as the season goes on if Clark becomes more ready. But I wouldn't be surprised if he plays 30 a night and averages 20 and 10 comfortably. And pushes himself maybe maybe even into the Aiton and Vucevic conversation. I think that that's a possibility for Valanciunas because he can do it. It's just a matter of do they play him 26 or 30 minutes because that, that's really the difference here to me as to how he pushes above these guys. You know, Capella, I think he's maxed out in minutes. Favors, I don't know how much more he's going to get. Aldridge, well, how many more is, minutes is he going to get? Now, Valanciunas out of this group, maybe it's Mitchie Robinson that can push up if he gets to 32 minutes, which seems a real stretch. But Valentinus, if he gets those 30 minutes, I feel really confident that he pushes up significantly higher than this. 
Yeah, definitely. He, and, and we know he's got a, a brilliant all-round fantasy game. It's just been waiting for him to get those, um, you know, 28 to 30 minutes per game. Um, Bam Adebayo, everyone's got him as, you know, their breakout can, yep. candidate for this season. ESPN, um, they got him at 134. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, I've got some real concerns around Robinson this season. I've actually even labelled him as a bust yep. um, in our sleepers, busts and breakout tiers, uh, sorry, article. Especially um, when you look at his ranking of 25, which is ahead of uh, Johnny Collins, ahead of Clint Capella, ahead of DeAndre Ayton over on Yahoo. That's crazy to me. I don't like that at all. Um, and and Derek Favors, I know you really love what he yeah, can offer this year. Big. I'm not as bullish on Derek Favors. I know he's only about 28 years old, but to yeah. me, he just feels like he's 33, 34. There's a lot of miles on the legs. Um, can pick up the occasional injury. And with the Pelicans, they're going to be out and running and, you know, top two team in pace. And I just think out of the top five, he's probably the odd one out because they're going to want to get JJ Redick um, some court time. And I just feel that Derek Favors might be that one who has to come out of that starting five lineup where they move Zion over to center and Brandon Ingram to a, a power forward. So you reckon they'll um, run 6-8 so- Zion at, at center a lot? I'm not sure they will as a rookie. I think uh, eventually mm-hmm. they, you know, they'd they like to do that more. I, I, don't, I don't see it that much this season. And his backup's Jaleel Okafor. That's why I've got him you know, playing 31 minutes a night because the backups are Jaleel Okafor and Jackson Hayes, who's not ready for regular NBA minutes at this point. But... If they do go with Zion at power forward, then that does open things up. Maybe they put Nicole O'Malley at center. He's not a center at all, really, though. So I just think their options at center are limited. But if you have faith in Zion as a center, that does impact favors, definitely. Yeah, and then you've just got you've got some really good rebounding guards in Lonzo Ball and Drew Holiday. And, and I think, yeah, they really want to get Zion crushing those boards and then just get the guys out and running. So I guess that's my sort of concerns and thinking out loud with Derek Favors like if he's still there in the 60 70 80 range then it's a no-brainer but I'm just not sure I want to pay top 50 value and um, would have another couple of these guys but in terms of yeah if you had a you know a preference on one or two is there a particular you know player or players or if you want to try to just you know, roughly rank rank them, Josh. Just quickly on favors, I agree with you. Into like I had him as a sleeper, and then Yahoo dropped, yeah, bumped him from like ranked 80th to 37th a couple of days after I did a podcast on his value. So I'm not taking him at 37. There's no way. Like ESPN's got him at 76, ADP at 96. Fine. Fantrax ADP 91. I think he, you know, if you look at him in the fifth round or sixth round, that's totally fine. But yeah, yeah I'm not taking him at 37. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, there are many other guys that I would like there, much like I'm not taking Miles Turner at 21, which Yahoo's got him ranked at that spot. Out of these guys, um, look, they're all, there is some differences in players there. Um, I'd feel relatively yeah, confident in, in most of these guys. I, I like Bam. He is a little bit of the Al Horfords, though. Like, he's very, you know, just spread contribution across categories. Whereas you get these other players like Aldridge, who's a big 20 and 10 guy. Valanchunas, the same player. Capella and Turner, your big blocks guys. Mitchie Robinson, your big block guy as well. The other one, uh, the tank, Thomas Bryant. Not really sure you know, who's challenging him for minutes. Like He's going to play a ton. Scott Brooks had little faith in him, but the front office invested. Like Who's taking minutes off him? Jan Mahinmi? He has to get a lot of minutes, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he, really love what Thomas Bryant can do. When- this is... This is where there is just a ton of center value in these mid-rounds here. If you've got to pick in the turn 4-5 four, four, or 3-4, um, you grab two big men here pretty comfortably. Bam and Favors, Bam and Tom Bryant. 
Valentunas and Aldridge, Capella and Turner. Like you can get two of these guys back to back and really set yourself up in the big man categories. Grab a, a point guard in the third round, a point guard in the sixth round or second round, and you can get these two centers here because point guards can be hard. If you're not punting assists, after the first couple of rounds, point guards are done. Like you got Rubio and, and Teague and, and that's it. Like you just don't have many options, but this is the area. This is the area of the draft between 35 and 55 where a ton of big men are going to go. Whereas that 15 to 35 is where your point guards are going to go. So it is important to be able to understand again, like we talked about on yesterday's show, or not yesterday's last week's show, that the tiers are not equivalent. Tier five centers are not the same as tier five small forwards or tier five point guards necessarily. It's about trying to find out where these blokes are going to go. And this is your fourth to fifth round sort of range where so many players sit together. Tier six. Just quickly, uh, Clint Capella. Any concern that Russell Westbrook, you know, has a has a pretty big impact on his rebounds? Yeah, mass, massive impact. I think he can drop two, three rebounds off him pretty comfortably. We saw that with Steve Adams. His blocks will be fine. Uh, the usage might drop a little bit. Maybe the efficiency increases for Capella, but he's already like a sixty high 60, 68%, 69% field goal guy anyway. Uh, I think that he does drop a couple of rebounds per game, which takes him from being maybe that third round into a fourth or fifth round player. A lot of people are expecting a breakout from Capella. I, I don't really yeah. see it with Westbrook. I think that rebound impact will actually be real. No, I totally agree. Um, tier six, we've got Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, from the Chicago Bulls and, and Brooke Lopez from Milwaukee. Um, and as Josh just mentioned, if you can get sort of two of those guys in in tier five, then awesome. If you can't, Wendell Carter Jr., love, love, love what yeah, he love can it. offer um, a round or two later. Um, just a bit like, who was it, Thomas? Uh, oh, Bam Adebayo. Yeah. Across the board production, um, Al Horford style type of game just needs a bit of luck and and to stay healthy this season and, and an and actual think, real NBA coach. Yeah, well, that would help as well. Um, and yeah, this time next season, um, I'm pretty confident that we'll see him being drafted inside the top fifty. Oh, I think he's top thirty next year. To be honest, I, I think he, I think oh, this guy yeah. is an absolute lock for a top twenty five player at some point. Um, probably by year four, that's where he is. But I think he's going to. If Boylan's got any common sense, I'm not sure that he does. But if he does, we're going to be seeing a lot of Wendell Carter and he's going to really flourish this season. And Brooke Lopez was the uh, first player in league history to average at least two blocks and two threes per game and could go and do that again this season. Yeah, that's, that's the thing with Lopez. We saw what he did. Look, what can he do more than that? Now his brother is there backing him up. So again, we talk about the Bucks. Does that just mean one fewer minute for a year older Lopez who's played in FIBA with a competent backup now? Instead of, does he play one fewer minute? I think that's possible. So I don't see where he gets better from last year. I think, if anything, he drops up 2%, 5% maybe. Did I just blow yeah. your mind with that thought or, or have you dropped out? I don't know. I'm still here. <laughs> I was just, yeah, just sitting in awe listening to your Lopez brother talk. Let's go on to Tier 7 before we get too wound up in Lopez's. Tier 7, we've got three guys here. Um, obviously, the further down the tiers you get, the more deficiencies that appear in people's games. So we've got Hassan Whiteside, Steve Adams, and JaVale McGee. Adams, quietly one of the worst free throw shooters. I think it was like 45% last year from the line. Hassan Whiteside apparently has gone back to his style that made him hit. This is why I just can't stand Whiteside. A bloke that figured out how to shoot free throws and then got too lazy to continue that style and then couldn't hit them anymore. If he hits free throws, I think he's a top 50-ish player. And a lot of people uh, have been mentioning as well to me about Adams. Oh, a big breakout is coming from Adams. Westbrook's gone, so he's going to explode. I don't think he's got it in. I just don't see how that happens for Adams. How do you see that situation? His rebounds will go up, the inverse of a Clint Capella, but how does he? how is he getting that much better? I don't really know, Josh. 
Um, he's not becoming so, a 20 point per game guy. I'm pretty confident about that. Yeah, and he's not going to start all of a sudden, start hitting free throws at 65% or, yeah. you know, anything higher. So he, he is what he is. Hassan Whiteside is what is what he is. Um, JaVale McGee um, will now be at the starting centre. Um, Marcus Cousins out for the year. So he'll, once again, um, if you need some late boost in rebounds, blocks and field goal efficiency, um, then he's one to look look at there as well. Um, Obviously, us yeah. putting JaVale here, Matt, means we think he's starting over Dwight Howard and he's getting the bulk of those minutes. That should be the way that it goes uh, with McGee over Thanos there for the Lakers, but that might not be the case. Vogel might go in a different direction. So McGee's a guy that you can probably let slide, but has that upside that if he plays 25, 26 a night, we, he absolutely smashed it at the end of last season, JaVale, when he was playing those 28 minutes a night. The numbers were out of He's like a top 20 guy in fantasy playoffs uh, down the stretch of last season. Probably not going to be there, but that's the sort of value he can provide. It was insane. And like I mentioned in the in the small forward tiers with those Lakers um, quality games, he's going to be, if he does find himself on waivers, mm. um, yeah, a really, really handy streaming player. Yep. Next, uh, next tier of players, we're looking at tier eight here for the centers. We've got Montrez Harrell. We've got Mark Gasol. Oh, hi, Mark. We've got Kavon Looney, and we've got, of course, The Undertaker, Dwayne Dedman. Now, I'll start with The Undertaker. I really like him as a player. I hate the fit of him in Sacramento because it means that it pushes Barnsley to the three. It means Bagley's at the four. It limits what Harry Giles can do. I think he's going to be the starting center there, but he's also going to be in a role with limited upside because of those other big men there in Sacramento. But he is still really useful in fantasy, just very limited upside there. Uh, is that how you see it with uh, Deadman? Yeah, it is. I just, yeah, that front court for the Kings is just so crowded. They, um, Signed Rashawn Holmes as well in the offseason. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, you know, Marvin Bagley's, um, he should really be a centre. Um, yeah, Devin Giles, who you mentioned as well. So, yeah, just, I don't know, I want to sort of stay away from Devin and that whole Kings front court, apart from Marvin Bagley. Um, Kevon Looney still, you know, backwards and forwards, whether he'll start or Willie Cauley-Stein will start. I think Willie uh, will start, but uh, Looney will yeah. play more minutes. Yes, yep. Um, so, yeah, that's... Hopefully good news for his value and a bit of a late-round sleeper. Montrose Harrell had a really good season last year, but anticipating another sizable jump um, and just offers a big boost to your field goal percentage. And his only other positive category is blocks. Um, and Marcus Gasol only averaged 25 minutes per game last season after joining the Raptors and will turn 35 years of age halfway um, through this season. So I don't think he will be going back 30 minutes a game and... Um, yeah, I won't be having Mark Gasol on any of my teams. I'd rather take, you know, Kevon Looney and his upside at this point. This is the... On on ESPN, we've got Harold as a rank of 54 and Gasol at 53. It's absolutely ridiculous to be looking at them. Gasol's even significantly overranked on fan tracks and on Yahoo as well, 63 and 73 respectively over there. Again, he, he struggled to be a top 100 player in Toronto, so Jabaka is still there. I think maybe he plays an extra minute, a little bit more usage this season versus last year, but... He's not Memphis Marc Gasol. He's 35, as you mentioned. He's not going to play those minutes that he's played in the past, whereas Looney, yeah, a guy that you can get outside the top 100, top 120 perhaps, you know, has a chance to provide similar value. And Harold, I think Zubats is a much better fit with the guys they brought in because he's you know, not as high of a usage guy. Harold is a very high usage center. So now that we've got guys like George and Kawhi there, 
you know, how much are we going to see Harrell play those sort of minutes? He's not going to play exclusively without both of those players. Or if he does play exclusively without both those players, that means he gets 14 minutes a night. So that's obviously not happening. He's not going to have that williams Harold pick and roll just running for him constantly because one of those other guys is going to be on the court. So uh, there are a few people I've mentioned or have spoken to or have tweeted at me, oh, Harold's going to have a breakout this season. I just don't see how he's better than last year. I, I think it's a I think it's a step back for Harold this year. Yep, I agree. Yeah, we pulled yeah. well into there. That's Taking plenty on. of shots and rebounds and, and uh, all the rest of it. So... Um, yeah, and you put out a, a tweet probably a few weeks ago now about who would you rather take, Montrez Harrell or um, Wendell Carter. Wendell Carter, yeah. yeah, Wendell Carter Jr. And it was sixty forty in Carter's favour when it really should have been. Well, I was going to say eighty twenty, but in my opinion, it's a hundred and zero. Yeah, that's that's obviously how I see it as well. Tier uh, nine, Matt. Big, it's actually yeah, the final final tier. Um, Cody Zeller in Charlotte. Jarrett Allen or Jarrett Allen in Brooklyn, Enos Cantor in Boston, Serge Ibaka in Toronto, Jakob Pertl with Spurs, and Alex Len with the Atlanta Hawks. Um, once again, heard you and Josh discuss Jakob Pertl. So if you want to see the pros and or hear the pros and cons and the for and against argument, listen to that projections podcast. Um, I quite like Alex Len once again as a late round flyer. He made a total of six three pointers in his first five seasons as a Phoenix Sun, and then. All of a sudden, came out and made 74 um, for Atlanta last season. And he shot him at like 40% or something. It was really strange. Um, So, yeah, if you're looking for some points, rebounds, blocks, and and those threes, yeah, quite like Alex Len. Um, Don't have some mind Serge Ibaka because I'm just not that high on Marcus Gasol and think he'll be limited at times. So Serge Ibaka could be, uh, once again, useful and a cheap source of rebounds and blocks. Enos Cantor won't be a cheap source of blocks. Um, and same with um, Jarrett Allen. Um, the arrival of DeAndre Jordan will cap him a little bit, but even in you know 24 to 26 minutes of playing time, I think there's just enough minutes there um, for him to to be a nice um, you know top 100 type of player. Yeah, look, that is, that's annoying. Obviously, the arrival of DeAndre Jordan there with Allen, but still, he is the better player, so he's worth taking a late round flyer on. I'm not as big on a Barker um, as what you are, but he's still fine in that area. I think he's more of a like a Zala Cantor sort of a player that we maybe limited upside with him. Out of this group, Alex Len's probably the one that I want out of this group to be honest. But again, it does depend a little bit on what you're looking at with your team. Zala is. Uh, when he's healthy, he's dependable, but he's not healthy, so he's not dependable. Canter, uh, the defensive problems, will they look to give Poirier or Tice or Williams some of those minutes at center? Uh, Pirtle, how's Pop going to run that with Damari Carroll and Rudy Gay there? And um, yeah, Allen and Jordan. So there are definitely concerns there, but Len, Len's the one out of that group for me. Is that how you see it? It is. So yeah, Len, I'd probably take Len, um, Allen, Abaka, and then... Yeah, throw a blanket over the rest. That is how I see it as well, Matt. That'll wrap it up for all of our tier podcast center tiers now in the books. Let people know where they can find you on Twitter and the old stuff over at the old BBM. Yeah, um, at S-Man Sports on Twitter. So you'll hear plenty of me throughout the season. And some people even told me the other day which they have their notifications on for me, which I found strange. But um People, it's, people do that for me, and I just say, please, please don't, because you're going to get a lot of nonsense tweets that you don't need to see. I'm just like, mate, your phone's going to die during the season when we start t- tweeting about what's going on during games and whatever. But Actually, Matt, I've, I've got your tweets on notification. 
That's very kind of you, Josh. Thank you. Um, And, yeah, all my writing throughout the season on Basketball Monster, the, what do I do, weekly preview each week and a waiver wire article each week. A few other little bits and pieces going on. So can't wait for the season to start. Thanks for having me on. Good to chat to you, Josh, and all the best, mate. Check out Matt's uh, articles over on Basketball Monster. Statistical scarcity coming out soon as well. And, of course, on Twitter and me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B. On my Instagram, Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube. Thumbs up, comments, reviews, five stars. You know the drill. Matt, thank you again for coming on. Pleasure. Thanks, Josh. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Robin Lopez.